0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of The Transcript Podcast. You've got me, Scott Krisloff, editor of The Transcript, along with Eric Mokaya, who's our lead author. We sent out a new issue of The Transcript yesterday, and what we saw were a continuation of a lot of the trends that we had been seeing. This week, we were focused a little more on the labor issues that were impacting business in terms of shortage of supply of, of labor. And we had a couple of quotes from companies talking about how they expect that to mitigate a little bit as unemployment benefits are coming off in the United States. So still shortages of of labor, supply chain issues, really not getting a whole lot better as well as what we saw. And also we saw a few more comments from different Federal Reserve members talking about inflation and concerns over inflation. And so um, starting to see some changes there. Any
1: thoughts, Eric? what stood out for me is the same thing that you said about the labor issues. A couple of companies uh, complaining about how they're not able to get enough staff. We've known this for a while with places like McDonald's, but I was, it was interesting to see this company, I think Regis, that deals with salon business saying that they can't get enough people to work to work in the, in the sal- salon. So it's they're anticipating that once the employment benefits are actually lifted, they're actually getting more applications, which is really good. Then it, it, it portends a situation where in the fall, then you'll get a little bit of ease in terms of the labor issues that these companies are experiencing. There's a direct correlation between them, the unemployment benefits ending, and them getting more p- applicants. Something that is very remarkably present in a lot of companies is how there is a very high cost inflation that is hitting companies. I think JM Smucker that said that they're expecting mid-single digit cost inflation, but I think it's now it's high single digits inflation. So pairing that with what members of the Fed are saying, it's like uh, then the Fed might be pushed next month. And uh, I think they're having the next meeting on 22nd September. They may actually be pushed to do something about it. And I think the Fed chair also hinted at that that uh, they may actually stop some of the purchases that they're making. Any thoughts on that yourself, especially the Fed's reaction to what the companies are actually seeing? Um, Yeah.
0: I mean, I think you, you pulled out a quote from James Bullard where he said, hot, 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 which really stood out to me. It's definitely a different framing. I think he's always been more on the hawkish side. uh So, you know, you would take his comments on a more measured basis. And obviously Jerome Powell, said that there was going to be tapering most likely this year, but still sounded pretty dovish at Jackson Hole. So I don't think the Fed's making a hard turn by any any means. But, you know, everything that we're reading in the economy really suggests that it's time to pull back on this extreme stimulus. So if anything, it's surprising that it's taken the Fed so long and they're moving so slowly to withdraw, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, it will be interesting to see what they say in the next meeting on twenty second next month. A couple of other quotes which we uh, a couple of other themes that we've been following. I think, especially in the international section, I don't know if you've taken time to read, but it's regulatory in China. This morning, the Chinese government also came out with a law saying that they're restricting the number of hours uh, kids are supposed to be online playing games to one hour, and it's over. I think Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There is this going to be this short period of time where kids are allowed to be online. I wonder how the servers are going to work. So I was talking to a friend last week who's based in China and they tell me that they see that this is a positive move in terms of re- reducing the kids. It's kind of he she says that the Western governments would actually kill to have house, to house this kind of uh, powers to be able to restrict some of the tech companies and all. So I don't know what you take on that.
0: Yeah, it's quite a move for my government from a Western standpoint, I was actually thinking, I'm pretty sure that was my parents role when I was growing up too that I couldn't play (laughs) games during the week. And then on the weekends, like a half an hour a day or something like that. So maybe my mom is running the Chinese government. (laughs) Uh, but, But yeah, I mean, it's a crazy thing. I mean, honestly, personally, I kind of agree with the thing. I don't let my, I don't let my kids play video games. I have no intention of letting my kids play video games. I think it can be really detrimental to a kid growing up and making them less productive. Maybe long-term competitive advantages that China is, is creating by making their kids you know focus on studies.
1: Yeah I, I think the other thing I was also informed is that I think uh, very young kids have been going for tuition, a uh, very young age and being pushed long hours from six to six. Uh, and I think that's what like the government is also coming out against. So in one way, it's, it's positive for individuals, but then of course, like short term for investors, they are a little bit impacted. I think MSCI CEO, one of the quotes you picked, you say that this is actually, it's a cycle that happens once in a while, especially in China and even in emerging markets, like uh, there, there is a period of lull and then there's a time when regulations come and then the regulations cause a shift in terms of how business is done. And then the brave ones can go and pick some of the pieces uh, which are going to do well from that time. So I strongly believe that this is a good time to actually check out a few Chinese stocks because the hammering has been pretty overdone, I would say, in terms of valuations and all. So It's an interesting space to watch all in all. <laughs> Any quotes that stood out for you also?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there was a big section on the supply chain too, mm-hmm. and that's important to talk about because we've been saying for weeks, if not months, that we're expecting the supply chain to start to get better. And there's still no signs that the supply chain is improving. And in fact, there were were some quotes this week that suggested that the supply chain may actually be getting worse. And some of that is driven, it seems, by COVID outbreaks in Asia, especially in Vietnam. And there were a lot of retailers who were reporting this week. So that makes sense in terms of Vietnam. But all of this, you know, the supply chain bottlenecks are a significant driver of inflation. And to the extent that these aren't getting better because demand is still hot, 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 as Billiard was saying, it just makes it even more apparent that the Federal Reserve is going to have to act to, uh, to blunt inflation unless, unless they're comfortable with 5 6% inflation.
1: I, I agree. Supply chain was one key thing mentioned. So the thing is that it's mostly retailers that are reporting at this, this time of the earning season. So then then they have a little bit of a firm grasp on what's happening in supply chains. And I think the country they keep mentioning is Vietnam and Indonesia, where some of them are getting a lot of the supplies from. So I think, uh, I think Vietnam, I, from what I gather, is actually under lockdown for the next 14 days. So I think they review around mid-September that tells you like a lot of companies have tried to get as much of the inventory as they can Uh, so i think generally the mood you can say a lot of the companies are saying that especially q3 expect them to have very high inventory on their books by the end of this quarter as they prepare for q4 where they're supposed to be selling so i think that's something you should watch out for Uh, but uh, they're saying generally another mood that you pick is that they they this there's a very strong start to q3 in terms of people buying back to school and all so i think there i mean it looks like this earnings, especially this holiday season is going to be a hot 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 one <laughs> as the dollar tree ceo says that they think it will take time for this to rebalance so not this year as many would have expected at least so i think that's that's the main peak i had from that section any thoughts on you and that yourself
0: yeah, I think one other really important quote that you picked out this week was from American Airlines, which was talking about travel in August trending below their previous forecast. Obviously, it's important that travel is, is slowing down, and especially risk with respect to the seasonality that we've been talking about for a few weeks, too, that you know, it's going to be Labor Day next week in the U.S., And traditionally after Labor Day, that's kind of the end of the summer season. So a lot of that leisure travel, I think, is behind us and travel for the most part from here is holiday travel and business travel. And I just think it would be really easy between now and the end of the year to see a significant decrease in travel because consumers had really been carrying the load throughout the summer And with the Delta variant coming through, it just it just makes it a lot easier in these last months of the year to say, you know, I was going to go to Thanksgiving at my parents across the country, but maybe I won't anymore or, you know, things like that. And then, you know, business travel is still significantly down from where it was. So you may see you may see some some real weakness in travel in the back half of the year.
1: Well, I'll be contributing to travel. I've been I'm traveling to Kenya myself, so I, it's not business. So <laughs> leisure travel. I'm also going to be in France, so it's going to be interesting to see also experience firsthand what's happening in Europe. But maybe one final theme that which stood out for me, and I think it's because like it attracted the the president's attention, was the cyber attacks. I think he hosted uh, some of the big tech companies and a couple of other companies for at the White House, I think. And I think he gave them kind of the mandate to actually help protect the, the kind of the, the tech assets of the, of the country. There are a couple of companies I've been watching in that space, I think CrowdStrike and CloudFlare. So increasingly, cybersecurity is becoming a, a real issue that companies are actually very concerned about. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, I would expect cybersecurity spend to be going up a lot over the next many years because of all of this stuff. Okta is another one that comes to mind is one that's mentioned as benefiting from these trends. So Okta, Cloudflare, Akamai also has been one that we've followed in this. Yeah. It awesome. feels like
1: a, a very important trend to keep track of as an as an investor and a, a good catalyst to keep an eye on. So I think unless you have something, maybe we can end there for today?
0: Nope, I think that's good.
1: All right. I think uh, we'll end there for today. I'll see you in two weeks. The transcript will be taking a break next week, but we'll be back in two weeks with more content. So send us your comments and at admin at the weekly transcript.com and see you in two weeks.